The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? And he asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. And moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they indeed had seen a vision of angels who said that Jesus was alive. Some of those who were with us then went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them the things about himself and all the scriptures. And as they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us when he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered there. They were saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how, he had been, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. So, so now that y'all have seen the chapstick, I can't use it on y'all. I, I think uh, one of the things that I love about the scripture passage is partly because of the way Luke tells the story of the resurrection. You know, the story of the resurrection, I think, is the most human way that, that we hear it in the four Gospels. Because the response of the disciples in Luke is leros, which we translate as idle tales. And somewhere between that and some of the stronger ways we would say that is really what leros means. You know, and I think about what I would say if someone said, you know, your friend who's died has been raised from the dead. You know, the reaction that, that he had was about what I would say, huh? That's, that's just not something I'm ready to hear. That's, and it's weird because it's something that I believe is going to happen, right? We, we come here in part because we have faith that God is faithful to God's promises. And what God has promised us through the death and resurrection of Jesus, the new life that comes through that, is that we too, in the same way that Jesus was raised, will be raised. And so we come in part because we have hope in this mystery of the resurrection. And I say mystery because it's something that I have trouble understanding. It's not something that I'm used to seeing. 
you know, I have all the normal human questions about it, you know, you know, starting with is it, you know, I believe this, is it something that is really, is this something I can really depend on? You know, we all have these questions in our heart. These are normal things that we all wonder. And there are also times when, you know, in addition to having the normal questions, I have the normal struggles that everyone else has. You know, I was 23 years old, so that meant I knew everything. And I was about to get married, so this must have been about February, because I got married in March. And uh, I started to realize all of a sudden all the things in my life that were about to change. You know, I realized that from then on I was going to, for whatever reason, the thing that bothered me the most was sharing a bathroom. And, you know, I, I was going to share a bathroom with someone for the rest of my life, right? You know, all of a sudden, and the, maybe the second thing that really bothered me most was that all of a sudden, you know, I had to be an actual adult. And I knew that, you know, mathematically, according to my, according to my age, I was an adult. But I didn't feel very adult. And I, in fact, I was preparing for a second senior year in college. I had really been avoiding being an adult. And this sent me into one of those classic kind of tailspin moments where I was like, I've got to be an adult. I've got to be a husband. That means one day I might be a father, which really threw me so much that 16 years later, we still haven't had any children. You know, we, and we're going to have to pay insurance. And I'm going to, what am I going to do with my life? I kind of feel like I'm supposed to be a pastor, but... You know, I was, at that point, a, a really normal college student. It was awfully hard for me to imagine, you know, not that I could do the functions of a pastor, because God knows I like to talk, but that more that, like, I could be a good enough guy to be a pastor, that, that I could be someone who was good enough that God might call. And so I, I went into this period of about two or three days, and at that point in my life, any great moments of discernment or struggle or wonder were spent writing at the Waffle House, you know, just like Martin Luther did. And because they had coffee and I was poor and I could drink coffee all day for two bucks and such a deal. So I, I spent two days writing and wondering and trying to figure things out and, and struggling with identity, with future, with, with you know, who, who is it that I'm really called to be? Who is it that I'm really supposed to be? And to top it all off, I was hungry. Now, looking at me, I know it's hard to believe that I like to eat, but I do. And so in normal times, you know, I, I can pack away some good stuff, but I was just absolutely ravenous. I ate everything I could get my hands on for two days, and I could not be satisfied. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. That was Friday. That was Saturday. And Sunday morning came, and I was deciding whether or not to go to church and it happened at that time that mom was the choir director and organist at Christus Victor in Columbia. And I'm not a bad tenor, and so mom used to bribe me to go to church by offering me lunch afterwards if I sang in the choir. And I mentioned I was hungry. So free lunch sounded pretty good at this point. So I said, well, I'll go to church. And we, it was one of those Sundays where, and I know y'all don't do this, but it was one of those Sundays where I was just kind of going through the motions. You know, I... We confess that we are in bondage. Back then it was still bondage. We are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. The pastor said, you know, ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. And I'm sitting there saying, yeah, that's nice. And, you know, we heard the sermon, and the sermon was fine. And heard the, we sang the hymns, and the hymns were nice songs, but that's kind of all they were that day because I was still just kind of struggling. And then, after... The pastor had done the, the singing and the chanting, 
And I heard him say, the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks and gave it for all, and broke it and gave it for all to eat, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. And again after supper he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, Take and drink, this cup is the new covenant shed for you and for all people in my blood for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. I went up and I got the little styrofoam wafer and the little shot glass of wine. And I ate and I drank. And for the first time in three days I was full. And I couldn't figure it out. It was, because it's not like that's a very satisfying meal. But, you know, sometimes the hunger that we feel isn't that physical hunger. We try to fill it with so many different things. You know, I fill it with music. And, I, and you know, in college, I filled it with all the college things. And, you know, we, we fill it with friends and family, and that might be healthy. We fill it with church, and that's healthy. But we also fill it with less healthy things. You know, sometimes we, we try to fill all our time with work. And that's fine until, until our spouse says to us, you know, I haven't seen you in a week. You know, we, we try to fill it with, with hobbies. But really what we're hungry for is the one thing that we cannot control and we cannot fill and we cannot take for ourselves. The thing that we're hungry for is that spiritual food that fills us up from the heart. And what I was hungry for, that I recognized in the breaking of the bread, was that thing that would help my broken and confused heart figure out who I really am. In the Lutheran Church, we're really lucky because we have a really good, good way of understanding who we are. It's not by our vocation. It's not by the stuff we have or our bank accounts or our house or our car. You know, it's, it's not, you know, God's going to help me live my most blessed life now. You know, that's not who we are. But who we are is what we talked about with the kids. Marked by the cross of Christ. Sealed by the Holy Spirit forever. We are not family because of the things we agree about. We are not family because of the, the fact that we all come here. We are family because of what God is working in and through and around and among us through the waters of baptism that is changing and recreating us and renewing us and restoring us. And in the same way the disciples recognized Jesus in the breaking of the bread, we recognize not only Jesus in the breaking of the bread, but we begin to recognize who we are. We are people whose identities are wrapped up in this mystery of new life. That's the resurrection, that, that mystery that will come. But the new life that comes every day as we get up each morning and we have hope that today we'll be able to live as members of God's family in the way that God calls us to live. And we also hear a second thing that's very important in that, is that it's not when we're good, it's not when we do the right thing that God is with us, but God is always with us. And then there's a thing that I always need to hear the most keenly, which is even those moments when I'm broken, hurting and afraid and worried and angry and frustrated and I feel far away from everybody especially God it's in that brokenness that we can see God most clearly isn't it interesting that it's in our brokenness that God comes through Paul talks about how you know suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope which will not disappoint us 
And I think the reason that suffering is the place where we see God is because it's in suffering that we begin to look. It's in our, it's in our frustration and our loneliness that we begin to seek God. It's in those places where we realize that there's really nothing we're in control of. That we begin to hear that as good news. That we're not in control. We're not in charge. But we worship the one who is. And that one has a plan for us. And that one has, is, has prepared a place for us. And that one is working in our broken hearts too. Revealing to us the grace of God's love and presence through body broken, bloodshed, bread and wine, ordinary everyday things that become holy because of God's presence. And we have faith that the presence of God can make our ordinary everyday lives holy too. This week, remember that it's not just in the breaking of the bread that we see Jesus, but it's in those broken places in our lives where God really comes into vision. And for other people, when, when they're broken and we show them love and compassion and mercy, they see Jesus through us in the same way that we see Jesus in the people who show us that same kindness, compassion, and mercy. Go and be the embodied, resurrected Christ for the people in your lives. And help them to see Jesus. And more importantly, take the chance of seeing Jesus in them. Creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Rejoicing in the risen life of Christ, let us pray for the church, the world, and all who are in need. We pray for the church. Remove all that hinders us from sharing your love. Raise up faithful preachers and teachers to lead your people. Heal our divisions. Unite us at your table for the earth. Protect animals whose environments are in danger. Bring bountiful sunshine and sufficient rainfall for fields, pastures, and orchards. Bless those whose labors bring food to our tables. For the nations, give all leaders wisdom and courage to work for the common good. Strengthen disaster relief workers peacemakers, and all whose contributions to society go unnoticed. For those in need, draw near to those who have lost hope. Provide food for the hungry and shelter for those who need safe housing. Comfort the grieving and heal the sick. Here especially the situations and circumstances we may before you at this time 
either upon our lips or within our hearts. We lift prayers for Joel Britton, Lynn Taylor, William and Lauren Wright, Karen and Sarah Wright, Jake Ostrander, Murray White, Rick Rasmussen, family of Joe Lorenza, Charles Sankel, Charles Barcelona. Bring compassion and healing to those with whom our Stephen ministers walk and those to whom our Eucharistic ministers go. For this assembly, empower our ministries of outreach and hospitality, encourage and inspire the youth and his ministry of the church. We thank you especially today for Pastor Eric Wolf's ministry among us and within the Synod. Strengthen the newly baptized and those preparing for baptism, especially Caroline and Savannah Bless those who set the table for the Holy Union. With thanksgiving, we remember those who have died in faith. Hear their names as we speak them before you, either upon our lips or within our hearts at this time. Bring us with them to the fullness of your glory with all your saints. Joining our voices with your faithful ones in every time and place, we offer our prayers in the name of the risen one, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. 